Good to have you here on this Thursday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. So much to get to here on the programs. We're in the middle of OTAs around the National Football League. The Falcons, a lot of news out there for Arthur Smith today. Falcons made a signing. Also, a couple of injury announcements. Uh, one in particular, pretty significant. We'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. D. Orlando Ledbetter, AJC.com, covers the Atlanta Falcons. He will join us. Uh, coming up here on the show, we'll get the very latest out of Flowery Branch here this afternoon. We're also talking college football. Ben is uh, all over the uh, the sport. We got the first four weeks kickoff times, and certainly now that we know uh, where week one is, we can start setting up uh, you know the strategy. You can start laying it out. What am I doing on Saturday? How much stuff do I got to say I have to get done on <laughs> September 3rd? And how much stuff has to get done, and when does it need to be done by? You know, that's what we have to do as – as men is say, hey, look, it's college football. It's the opening weekend. If you want the grass cut, it's going to have to be done at 8 a.m. Or we might just have to hold it a few more days. Listen, basically Kevin Thomas is telling all the listeners he has a new book coming out called No Weddings in the Fall. If you plan a wedding in the fall, you are you are about as – you're evil. I'm telling you because that's not happening, people. So basically Kevin Thomas, it hasn't hit newsstands yet. Not, yeah. not being sold yet. But basically – no weddings in the fall. Anything outside of a child being born, and it better be somebody you really respect. It's yeah. gonna be a. Is the baby actually, fine? Yeah, the baby good. Yeah, can't, can't if, if, I, you have you know can't do it if it's on Saturday. I actually respect that as a book title. I'm gonna have to come up with the the content for it now. But uh, <laughs> hey, true friends don't get married. And yeah, no weddings in the fall. A story. In selflessness, like don't, they, but it's my wedding. No, no, think about everybody else. Exactly. Listen, it's, if you want your to know, wedding if, is if, not if, about if she you. is your true love, she will tell you. Okay. Now I will say this, Ben, and you know this. Mm-hmm. Uh, your wedding is not about you. It's, it's like, not. I, it's I, not. I, I, as I will say this as the guy, and I will say this somewhat about the bride as well. Your wedding is not about you. And you say, oh, boy, we're going off on a tangent here in the start, but that's fine. And this is why this is why I say this, because you know back when we get got married, uh, my wife and I, she was like, "Well, what about this? And what about this?" I said, "Listen, it don't matter." She goes, "No, but what?" I was like, "It doesn't matter." I was like, "You pick what you want." I'll be honest, unless we go back and look at a picture, you're not going to remember what flowers we had up there anyway. Like I can't tell you, Ben. I go hang out with my friends all the time. I can't tell you. I can count on, you know, both hands the number of times I've been sitting around with my friends and they say, do you remember that bouquet I was holding? No, I don't. I have no clue what it was. What about the food? I don't know. And so, look, the wedding, the ceremony is about you two. Everything else is about everybody else. Uh, you know, about, oh, look at the, the, the dresses. They're so nice. The food. The, I talked to a couple. The, and when we were planning our wedding, I talked to, like, you know, friends of mine who had been in their wedding and I remember been one of my friends had a sit-down dinner after the wedding. You know, really nice. Obviously, you know, cost quite a bit to do something like that. Uh, but but talked to him, uh, you know, several months after the wedding. I said, man, I got to say, that was really nice spread you had at the wedding. You know, the steak dinner was on point. And he looks at me, he goes, I didn't even get to eat it. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, I didn't even get to eat it. Like, we were there. And then they said, get up and start go talking to people who came to the wedding. He's like, we neither one of us ate the food, and I was like, "So wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute." So you got a sit-down dinner, and the people who were the whole reason we're here, y'all didn't even eat the food. He's like, "Nope." So see, your wedding is is about everybody else. 
Don't be selfish and schedule it 3.30, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock on a Saturday to fall. That's all I'm saying. End of tangent, Ben. We can move on if you like, but I just want to. No, 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 Kevin. Because Kevin, we, we listen. We're doing guys' work right now. Okay, <laughs> that's done. Let's let just let's just call it what it is. Right? There are very few times. The older a man gets, the more simply is all a man is doing every day. He's doing his best to not turn it to his dad. That that is a, we're, we're trying our best. We're not going to win because at one point our dad said they're not going to turn to their dad, and they're doing it. So yeah. you telling me all I got. It's 3.30 on Saturdays in the fall. <laughs> Mind you, out of all the seasons in the fall, and you telling me you got, one, you, you got, want to play. You got three whole other seasons. Wedding, you want to plan our wedding, and you and we're in two weddings, not doing it. No, <laughs> no. Because number one, I don't want to be the one. I don't want to be the uh, one somebody's in the back going, oh, they scored. What happened? What happened? I can't. I don't want to disrupt nobody's day, so I'm just going to decline yeah. and say, no, I'm not coming to no weddings in the fall. So, because Kevin, you know, just like I know, they were supposed to say, we're going to do a night wedding. Well, then it's going to be a rain delay for my game. It's going to get pushed. <laughs> I, I can't, I just can't, man. I, I can't depend I, on everything to go right. No. I will, I will say this. Uh, I did not to sell them out. I'm, I'm, but Christian told me a couple of days ago that he has a wedding in the fall, not his, but he has a wedding that he is in in the fall. And I said, what? He said, <laughs> what? yeah, well, he, he goes, I've already been told and made promises that there will be TVs set up. He's like the reception. The, the the ceremony is before kickoff. The reception is after kickoff, and there will be TVs so that everybody can watch. So hold on, hold on. So basically, so hold on. So, so somebody's gonna be trying to do the toast. Listen, I met these guys. Oh, go, go. <laughs> now listen to me. Look, look, look. look. Hey, Kevin, you know this, right? I know that's cool. things, things that seem when anything you're trying to add extra to a wedding, and I hope I'm wrong. It is. It is. It is. Guaranteed to go wrong. It's not gonna go the way you think. This is gonna be the best game of the year, and you're gonna be like this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me some mashed potatoes, man. I'm trying to see this thing. <laughs> Kevin, that's all I'm saying. Christian, you are a godsend because yeah. whoever your friend is, he owes you big yeah. time, big time. But uh, but yeah, you know, I I you know I didn't know I didn't know we were gonna talk about weddings today. But you know, hey, I tell Kevin, you, I listen, all I said is all I, you, you say college football when the book comes out, no weddings in the fall, yeah. part two. <laughs> yeah, hey man, I don't the fact the fact that the fact that the guy has to agree to it shows I got to pay for the wedding and I can't agree on the time. My uh, goodness, come on, man. No, I, that's all I'm saying. It's like you know, it, it's it's a, it's a fun Saturday time of year. People want to watch the games, you know, and you know, ten a ten a.m. weddings are all right. Unless you have like diehard like, I got to see college game day. But I mean, if you're if you're if if you're that committed to college football, you've probably either been married for forty years or you are never going to be married. If you are like, it's ten a.m. Man, I I, I got to catch college game day or th- this ain't gonna happen. So, love advice <laughs> on a uh, Thursday. I, I, I look, man. I I don't know what we were supposed to talk about here, but apparently we were supposed to talk about weddings. Now that we know the schedule. For the fall football games in college football. So, look, you know when the games are, ladies. Come on, be, consider- be considerate now. We ha- we actually have times. Kevin, we Kevin, Kevin, have time. Kevin's, Kevin's Twitter about to blow up. They're gonna say, "Did you just tell the ladies to be considerate?" Yeah, but I'm I'm, ta- I'm talking about the game. Yes, we are fifty. We are fifty percent of this marriage. <laughs> no, hey, hey, but I will say this: if you're planning on getting married in September and you're a Florida fan. Noon weddings, you'll be fine, man. I think they're playing like seven o'clock every night. Yeah, yeah, I get sick of that. To, to you, eyes makers out there, bad enough. I have to suffer. Through. I, I, I love and suffer through the college football season because I mean, I don't know what it is. I'm trying to get better at watching the games. I am getting better, 
But I, I don't like the flex, Kevin. I don't like that we're going to flex y'all to seven. What? No, but already, it's already out. We know. I think the Florida's first three games are at seven, seven thirty, and seven. So there you go. That means Ben Troop in the fourth quarter. That means, I, that means I can't go to sleep <laughs> until the game is over, which means I literally have to be up all day. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And Kevin, Kevin, you know what scares me about that? I give you a couple of words. SEC tournament, the baseball tournament going on right now, rain delay. Yeah. And all I keep saying is 3.30, 4.30. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Lightning delay. I mean, you get lightning delays in in Florida there in the in the September games all the time. So, no, look, I, I we'll go over all that uh, coming up a little bit later in the show. But the schedules, at least the the times for the first four weeks for most conferences put out there uh, today in the week one, man, you can go ahead and start planning it out. It's going to be four or five straight days of good college football. So we'll talk about that coming up. D. Orlando Ledbetter, as I mentioned, will join us as the Falcons going through OTA. Some big news for Arthur Smith. Uh, out there today, uh, the Falcons go out and sign a running back. What does that mean? Uh, they just drafted a running back. You have Damian Williams, who you're trying to make a running back, and Corderell Patterson, who is kind of whatever you need him to be out there as well. So Falcons making some moves here. We'll get to D. Orlando Ledbetter about that. But OTA is going on in Atlanta, in Jacksonville. Is this a big year? Ben's talked a lot about year twos, year twos, year twos. Big year in Jacksonville for a bunch of guys going into year two. We'll get to that when we come back. Hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. Love to hear from you. You can give us a shout, 912-342-7184. And uh, join us here on the program. Tell me I'm wrong about fall weddings. They're bad. They're bad. Don't do it. Unless you're honeymooning to, you know, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium or, uh, you know, the Swamp or... or uh, oh, the yeah, now, now I will say, I'm about to say that if you're... Now, if, if, if the... If the carryover is okay, I'm, you get I got you a game, and you get to run out with the team. Okay, <laughs> but you know what? You you, you don't got that much use. You because if you did that, Kevin, that's what we're gonna do. Outside of saving lives during Halloween, we're gonna come up with the wedding planner thing to where we plan them in the fall. But for another twenty five hundred, we we can get you. We can fly you and yours to the team, and we'll talk to the coach. Let you run out. There. Make sure you're in shape. No, honest I mean, to God, no, honest, honest to goodness, like. How big of a super fan would you be to plan it if it's like, hey, Florida is playing Utah at 7 o'clock. We want to get married on the field at 6. Midfield, warming up, both sides don't care. Hey, the bride just got hit in the bed in, in the head with a straight punt. It's all right. Just go with it. I do kick it off. Listen, it would be the it would be the most stream wedding of all time, but they would hate it. They're gonna be like, get off the field. Hey, it what no, they wouldn't. You got an hour for kickoff, and you could also have the flex of, hey, eighty thousand people showed up at my wedding. Hey, listen, hey Kevin, I'll tell you this. Hey, listen, to you to you billionaires you out there, buy, do that. Yeah, you don't gotta y'all, buy y'all got juice, show us that. You don't gotta buy the food, you don't have to do you don't have to provide a DJ, you don't have to do any of that. Listen, don't wear no makeup because it's gonna get sweated out. It's gonna be hot in that stadium. It's going to be the first short set wedding. Everybody got on shorts. Hey, no, I ain't got no problem with that either. Hey, we got more to come. We're talking uh, Jacksonville big year for Trevor Lawrence. How did he look last year and where could he go in year two? It's three and out Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We're streaming live ESPNCoastal.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Good to have you along here. Three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. We'll hear from D. Orlando Ledbetter. AJC.com covers the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons with some big news today on the injury front. Also made a signing today. Uh, we'll get to that with D. Orlando Ledbetter as we get through OTAs. Of course, now we're almost to June. Uh, training camp coming up at the end of July. So it'll be here uh, before you know it. So, uh, so Ben, 
Jacksonville, no different than Atlanta, trying to take a step forward. You have a what you believe to be is a big-time quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Last year, I think 17 picks. Uh, that was first, tied for first in the uh, National Football League. But all but one of his interceptions came while the Jags were losing. Of course, they were not a good team, so they weren't winning a whole lot. Uh, but when they were winning, he was careful with the football. What do you expect to see out of Trevor Lawrence in year two? I know we we assume he's got better weapons offensively. We'll see if they play that way. But you said, hey, I think he could be a top 15 quarterback. Were the tools there? Picks the touchdowns, the interception, or interceptions uh, that he threw last year. Is there room for improvement for him to take a huge step forward with this team? Sometimes, Kevin, when you think when you when you can look at uh, interceptions a lot of ways. Obviously, uh, you can't throw the you can't uh, turn the ball over to the other team. But looking at a guy who's willing to take chances. When you look at what he didn't have last year, had to try to force some balls. I didn't have. You talk about his receiving core last year. Wasn't much to you know, ride home about when you look at. His cast of characters. Now, you bring back LaVisca Chenault going into, I think, his third year. You add Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, and then you talk about uh, you talk about Ingram right there in the slot. I mean, at, at, you know, at the tight end position, then you talk about what uh, Travis Etienne can do. I, I think he can make a huge jump. I think when you look at what Trevor Lawrence brings to the table, big arm, a guy that can make all the throws. But now, while Christian Kirk broke the bank, you got a lot of – Marvin Jones has been a headliner, Right. Christian yep. Kirk has not been a headliner. Zay Jones has not been a headliner. Evan Ingram, the reason why he's no longer with the New York football giants is because he underwhelmed. Now, when he was good, he was good. But too many, too, too, too much up and down. I think, Kevin, what I like the most about, you know, a guy like Trevor Lawrence is he's proven that he's not a front runner. He's, he's never lost in his right. life until last year. And people kept saying, how was he going to handle it? And that was but a disaster he, of a situation he was in, obviously, from, from start to finish. And I will say this: you 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 look at you take you take any great player, and you put some you put some guys around them, in a in a in a in a in a you know a very 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 successful environment, or you know or a non toxic environment, it works. You don't believe me? Matthew Stafford, twelve years, he was with Detroit, good player, yeah, really good player, didn't win one year in L.A. They win the Super Bowl. Now it wasn't just because of him, but he was a missing piece. So I think, I, listen, I don't want to talk about the Super Bowl and the Jags in the same. In the <laughs> same I want people to lose their mind. But I think Kevin, they invested in him. Travis Etienne was hurt. How much different would his year been last year? Had you had a healthy Travis Etienne? But I think you said the best, Kevin. You got a healthy working environment. I got Doug Peterson. I got a former Super Bowl, uh, you know, uh, head coach. Still got Trent Baalke in, you know, in the freaking front office. But I got a. I got a healthy working environment in a in a AFC South that obviously has added Matt Ryan. No one's scared of Ryan Tannehill, and I don't even know outside of Derek Stingley Jr. and uh and uh you know Damian Pierce. I don't know who plays for the Texans. I I, I couldn't tell you who plays for him. I think he can make the jump, Kevin, because now Doug Peters is gonna tell him, look, man, you can't make that throw. You can't you can't look that because the bad habits. They're going to have this really, really good players have to be coached really, really hard. You can't give them the, that pat on the back is over with because you're no longer the best player on the best team in your conference. So I do think at the end of the day, uh, Kevin, I think he can make that jump. And because he put up some nice numbers, it's, when I say numbers, I'm talking about yards, but got to cut down on the interceptions. And if he can cut it down to maybe 10 picks, 10 and lower, I think he got a really, really good shot to potentially, potentially 
compete in the AFC South that I think is wide open. Yeah, again, and how wide open could it be? And we've talked about this a number of times as you see the movement around. Obviously, said the Texans, uh, is it Davis Mills? Who the heck knows what they're going to really be? Uh, the Titans, uh, again, Ben, do they scare anybody? You got rid of A.J. Brown. Uh, you have Tannehill. Uh, if if Derrick Henry has to miss games like he did last time, I mean, their defense is nasty. I'm not, I'm not going to take anything away from there, but offensively, do they scare anybody? Are they going to beat people 42 to 10? No, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, so you look there, Matt Ryan and Indy is to me the wild card, right? Cause uh, Matt Ryan there at Indy, we saw what he did for a Falcons team that just had horrible talent uh, around it. Just, you know, missing players, the offensive line, couldn't do, and he's still, you know, Scrapped up seven wins somehow. <laughs> he's gonna have a lot. He's gonna have one of the best offensive linemen in the league standing yes. in front of him uh, there in in Indianapolis. I think they instead of the Titans might actually be the best team. But as you said, the mountain is not tall for for them to climb. I, I think they can get more than three wins. I think with with Trevor, as you said, with Doug Peterson, maybe who's a little more with it on the NFL level uh, in terms of play calling, development, and actually knowing what the heck's going on. I mean, I think you could see him take a huge step forward here in year two. And I think he will. I think he will. Kevin, you make, you make, you make a great point when you're talking about the Titans. No, people aren't afraid of the Titans. They're afraid of, they're afraid of Derrick Henry. Sure. Because they know if I can't stop 22, I can't win. Now, the thing about the Colts is they're very, very interesting. They're saying, hey, you know, Jim Ursay came out and said we should not have signed Carson Wentz. Like, we should not have signed him. <laughs> think about it. And this, and this is the Colts quarterbacks the last three years. Phillip Rivers. Carson Wentz. Now you add, you know, a guy in uh, you know, a Maddie I. So they like veteran, they like veterans sure. to come in. But the thing about a young team like the Jags in a conference like the AFC, you can go out there and make some noise. Why? You're not you're not a big market franchise. You're not a part of the cop, you're not a part of the NFL fabric. When you think about it, outside of maybe the Colts, the AFC South is the most underwhelming conference in football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly. Titans, I mean, the Jags, the Texans. And the Titans, I mean, and you know, uh, and, and the coach. So I do think that this Jags team, it's like it's like it's kind of like Auburn, right? When we when we expect Auburn to be world beaters, they don't. And when we say it's going to be a down year, they, they, they go out there and supersede expectations. Trevor Lawrence, they gave him weapons in the offseason. They didn't do it through the draft. They did it with veterans who already been in the league. So he's going, look, I'm going to put seasoned vets around the young quarterback. I'm giving him pass catches. Evan Ingram, pass catcher. Kitchen Kirk, pass catcher. Zay Jones, pass catcher. Marvin Jones, pass catcher. And obviously, see what you got. And they got like Travis, I mean, uh, Travis Etienne, and obviously LaVisca Chenault. But Kevin, I'm sorry. Joe Burrow got everybody thinking, hey, man, you give them some weapons and they can do it. And, and that's right, wrong, and different. If you would have told me that the Cincinnati Bengals were going to do that in 2021, yeah, I would have but, 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 but with all due respect to, to that, I mean – that Bengals team was better than this Jaguars team is, right? Oh, I mean, that, so, so, no, I'm talking about the year. I'm talking about the year prior, like the, the year prior when Joe Burrow went down. They still won. They went from like what one or two wins up to five or six before yeah, he, before yeah. he got hurt. And, so and, I, this Jags team went from what one to three. So I mean, if they yeah. make a similar jump and back and back to back and back to back, number one overall. Sure. Team. So you, your average age on this Jags team is probably 24, 25. That's average. That means you got guys 22, 23, and veteran roles. Your best player on defense is Josh Allen, and he's 25. That's your best player on defense. So I think that when you look at, you know, when you look at what they did in the draft, you know, when you look at what they did in the offseason, 
Bringing back Cam Robinson, him obviously signing a new deal, you know, get him out of that franchise tag. We're going to see what you got, Kevin, because what Doug Peterson wants to do is build through the draft. He said, look, I want to take guys as him, develop them, win with them, and when it comes time to re-sign them, re-sign them because they know our system. Because every time you bring in a new guy, you're bringing in a new way of doing things. You're bringing in a new, you know, perspective, an advantage point of doing things. But it's the Jags. The great thing about the AFC South, you can develop because you're in the no one cares division. They used to tell us that no one cares about the AFC South because <laughs> you don't know nobody. I who, mean, who I'm told just, you that? Who told you that? Oh man, uh, uh, Marcus Robinson. When I went, uh, Marcus Robinson, <laughs> when he played, he was a safety on the uh, '99 Super Bowl team that played the, that played uh, that played the Rams. I said, man, how you? Like? I said, what is about the AFC South? He goes, no one knows, no one cares. Just go out there and play. I said, really? He goes, why do you think they call it the Tennessee Titans? Right? It ain't the, you know they'll say the Chicago Bears, the Houston Texans, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They said they're not because they said because Nashville Titans just didn't just didn't hit <laughs> well, right? They call us the Tennessee Titans because they want us to represent the state. And he says no one knows what Nashville is in the state. What? They don't know what Nashville is in the state. You, they said if you put a map and you say where's Nashville, they point at Memphis. Uh uh-uh. uh. They point they point to Knoxville. Uh uh-uh. uh. And all you got to do is point to the middle of the state. So the Tennessee Titans that stuck like the Carolina Panthers, not the Charlotte Panthers. Carolina, we won't boast. So, hey, it happens, Kevin, but I do think that if if Trevor Lawrence can cut down on the picks, keep that level of durability, find a way to utilize these weapons, get some help in the running game, get some help on defense, hey, man, I'm not saying it's going to be they're going to be world beaters, but they're going to be definitely a hard team to beat, definitely in the AFC South. We've got more to come here on 3 and out. We'll look at the uh, switch gears, talk some Atlanta Falcons. They've had OTAs going on, and – had a couple of uh, good news nuggets they dropped uh, today. D. Orlando Ledbetter will join us next here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out on this Thursday afternoon. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, thanks for making us a part of your day. Falcons going through OTAs. Arthur Smith had a lot of news to drop uh, here earlier this morning. And joining us here to talk about uh, all of that, to cover the Atlanta Falcons with AJC, AJC.com. D. Orlando Ledbetter joins us. Daryl, welcome. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you coming on and joining us. I guess the first kind of uh, nugget put out there, Deion Jones done for uh, the offseason. I know that's a guy that had a lot of speculation about the Falcons want to move him post-June 1. What does that do to potentially those plans? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have put much stock in that report about the June one move. Uh, they're going. They're planning to bring him to camp, and uh, you know, let him compete for the inside linebacker job. He does have a high number on it, but right now they're a team that has uh, the highest dead cap space in the league. So, unless they can get a trade or something like that, uh, you know, Dion uh, will come in here and try to compete for his uh, starting job. And hey, Obviously, I mean, uh, when you look at the draft, they got they got a lot of young guys in the draft, pretty high draft picks that that can play both the inside linebacker position and the outside linebacker position. But I've never seen this situation where he's out for the offseason. You said they're bringing him to camp. How good of a shot does he have to actually make the team and not be a camp casualty? Well, um, I think, uh, you know, the whole message of Arthur Smith has been nobody's entitled to their job. And you see him one star after another. Uh, from the old regime lead. So, you know, it's, that's certainly possible. I mean, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, Keanu Neal, um, you know, uh, De- DeMonte KZ, 
Uh, they haven't been shy about moving on from players. Dion's a little smaller linebacker who doesn't necessarily fit the 3-4. So, um, you know, they brought in a Rashard Evans. Uh, they drafted a kid from Montana State, 6'4", 243, real fast. Uh, doesn't know how to play linebacker yet, but they drafted him. Uh, signed Nick Kawatowski. You know, they got some guys that could put in there, uh, you know, if um, – no, I don't think Dion could, could could handle the three four. D. Orlando Ledbetter joining us here on three and out. Falcons also go out and sign a uh, a running back today. Is that just trying to make sure you have as much competition there as as possible? Do they want to get Patterson out of there and maybe play more of a slot situation? What are they looking at uh, at, at running back after they drafted a running back and now assigned one in Jeremy McNichols from the Titans? Yeah, Jeremy's a more camp body guy. Uh, you know, he's been around for a while now. Uh, drafted in fifth round by Tampa Bay. Been with four or five different teams. Best you could describe him as, as a journeyman. Uh, so, yeah, he's uh, he's in here. Uh, learned the system. But, you know, he, he'd be about the fourth, fifth running back. Uh, but, yeah, he was signed today to help him out to get through the offseason and uh, maybe, uh, you know, give him some fresh legs during training camp. The Orlando, obviously, uh, you know, the rookies already had their mini camp. They back in camp again. Is anybody stood out? I know you're gonna. I know nowadays with everything being clickbait when it comes to social media, I, you know. I mean, I saw Desmond Ritter with no helmet on. You know, I saw you know you know you know uh, you know Drake with no with no helmet on. Has any of those guys stood out? And who do you think is gonna get a chance to have a key role uh, come to fall? Well, they um. You know, you you want to uh, some guys I've been told to check out, and one of them is D. Alford, a line cornerback. Uh, they were able to pick up late last season, so uh, we've been doing that. Uh, you know, they're not uh, it's a lot of seven on seven. The the rookie receiver looks good running his routes on air against uh, some coverage. AJ Terrell's looking uh, good out there. Uh, looked good out there today. Can't tell much with the linemen, but they did not move. Um, Looked like Dalman was uh, working with the ones ahead of Hennessy, but it was the same line. You know, you got Mayfield at left, Jacob left, Tackle, and Lindstrom and McGarry. So, you know, that was a stunner. But, um, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to work on some new things. The, the rookie looks good. Arnold, they call him AK. Arnold EBKK. Uh, you know, he, he looked good at the one-on-one drill. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's um, it's some people that have been jumping out at us and, and a lot of people that they, they told us to keep an eye on. Also, Avery Williams is being moved to running back. And, you know, he was a returner last year, didn't do too well when they put him in there at cornerback. So they're giving him a chance to make the team as a running back. Daryl, obviously you spent a lot of time around this team. And Ben and I kind of got a chuckle out of, uh, you know, OTA's uh, rookie minicamp when, uh, you know, you see fans out there and it's like, Hey man, Desmond Ritter is going to make it a competition. He's out there. I'm getting Russell Wilson vibes. Like, do you just look at that stuff and go, guys? It's they're in shorts. Yeah, no question about it. We played not one single down of football, and or will not for a month. Uh, you know, and these people on Twitter is just ridiculous uh, that they come up with this stuff. Uh, that you know, a guy looks great in the gym class setting. Uh, he should look good in the gym class setting, but we know that. Uh, the veterans that have been around, I was uh, with, talking with my guy Steve Weiss at the NFL owners meeting, and uh, we, we got a award for guys like that. Uh, it's called the Laurent Robinson Award. Uh, 
doing OTAs in offseason. Lauren Robinson looked like Jerry Rice and the second coming of Jerry Rice. Uh, when they put the pads on, you know, it was a little bit different. You know, he did make it in the league and uh, got him a big contract in Jacksonville. Uh, and then concussions shortened his career. But, uh, you know, the all flowery branch team, he's the, he's the king, um, you know, of the, of the uh, all flowery branch offseason team. Him and Brett Grimes are the, the two uh, our offensive and defensive MVPs for the best players we've ever seen out here in gym class. And, and D. Orlando, man, I mean, to that end, I mean, when you look at some of the guys they brought in uh, from, the, you know, uh, you, you get Brian Edwards, they bring him over from the Raiders. You bring in guys like Casey Hayward, Tease Tabor. Which one of these veterans have looked the best thus far, especially when, like you said, no pads, you can't really get a true barometer. But some of these guys are going to be at Brian Edwards is picked to be a starter. Obviously, Casey Hayward going to be opposite of A.J. Terrell or Tease Tabor. He's trying to hold on to his NFL career thus far. Yeah, Tease was out there a little bit today. Um, he's uh, just trying to, you know, help make it on special teams, provide some depth. You know, Steve's been an issue since he came out of Florida. Uh, Casey wasn't here today, but um, Coach Hope uh, and, uh, you know, Coach Terry said he's doing a great job in the secondary, still got the footwork, he still move and so forth. So uh, uh, that that's a good one. And, um, you know, what, what was another one there you asked me, uh, Ben? Yeah, Brian. Brian L was uh, getting getting him a big trade coming from coming from the Raiders. Yeah, Brian L was um, spoken guy. We got a story posted on him in a few minutes here on AJC.com. Uh, him and Mary Yoder were happy to reunite. They were together with the Raiders. He was also with Hayward with the Raiders. Um, I I'm not familiar with a lot of his work. I know he was a high draft pick. He's a big, good looking kid. Um, you know, I must have missed his pro day in South Carolina. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, they have high hopes for him. They were impressed with him coming out and uh, uh, have been following him since, uh, you know, the Titans. And it looks like, you know, they like these bigger receivers because their quarterbacks are not known for accurate passes. So, you know, they just get them close to these big guys is going to be part of the Falcons' formula. And he's going to have a chance to catch him some balls here with Pitts and Drake London. Uh, if he can be on the field with those guys and maybe Coterell coming out of the backfield, He'd be the third guy that wasn't a third or fourth guy that should be in a mismatch. So uh, he has the opportunity here to, to to make his mark in the league and earn him some earn him some uh, keep. He's kind of a um, poor man's Muhammad Sanu is where we have him right now. Maybe he can uh, overcome that and be surpassed what Muhammad Sanu was. But that's what role we see him in at this point. The Orlando Ledbetter joining us here on three and out to that end. How do you ideally, obviously? Uh, not in fantasy land, but ideally, how do you think the Falcons see this wide receiver? Is, of course, is Drake London uh, a number one year one, or is this the guy's like, hey, he's a number two that we hope grows into a number one? What ideally do you think they see the receiver breakdown here uh, going forward? Yeah, I, I think going forward, he's going to be at one. They're not going to ask him to be at one right off the bat. He's only 20. He's a young guy. Uh, you're getting younger and younger guys in the league now. So, uh, you know, they don't want to put too much on his plate, and then you don't have anything. And uh, uh, so he's going to be the one, uh, probably not going to be the one right now. Uh, Kyle Pitts will be the one from the tight end spot, and Cordarella will be the two from the running back wide receiver spot. And uh, you're going to probably see London in the slot a lot, trying to get a mismatch on some little small corner and then try to abuse them that way. 
and and the Orlando, I mean, this D line. I mean, I know I know that's the that's the that's the the hardest thing that Arthur Smith gonna have to deal with all year. I mean, how you gonna generate a pass rush? Obviously, they gave uh, you know Grady Jarrett an extension. Still trying to uh, wait on uh, Marlon Davidson to get you know uh, out of the, you know out of the tub of dealing with injuries. You bring over Lorenzo Carter. Lorenzo Carter. Who's gonna be that guy on the outside to help generate that pass rush at a consistent level in an NFC South that you know they are gonna throw the ball around? Yeah, no question. It's Arde and uh looks like Lorenzo Carter or or your ones for now. Uh they drafted uh Obikite and uh Malone. He's uh he's only three hundred and thirty five pounds, uh, but he can drop and cover and do all those things. So he'll go over there behind Arde, uh, you know, to and that's where they're at right now. They got some other guys, Quentin Bell, uh, you know, and so forth that uh they signed and have been developing, but uh it's gonna have to come from so one of those four, or that group of four, is uh, where they're at right now on the depth chart. And the Orlando, you know, finally, when you think about a guy like Arthur Smith, obviously going into year two, didn't really have a lot to work with. No more Matty Ice, no more Julio Jones. You talk about a guy like Marcus Mariota, who you hope can kind of you know, like right the ship so that Desmond Ritter can ride the bench and not have to play this year. What is he going to have to show in year two, especially with a team that's going to have a lot of money in 2023? How well does he have to look in 2022 to not, you know, potentially not be the number one overall pick come, to, come next year's draft? Yeah, you know, they're, going, they're, they're trying to establish the winning culture. You know, they did that last year. They won seven games that, you know, uh, uh, you know they probably shouldn't have won with the, the point differential. You know, they were either sneaking in those close wins or getting pounded by better teams. You know, they didn't beat anybody that went to the playoffs. So this year their challenge is going to be to, um, you, know, uh, you know, beat the teams that are, you know, near the bottom of the league like them and then maybe pull off some upsets along the way. So you're not picking number one overall next year. Um, they're going to be overmanned on some Sundays. You know, starting with the second week when they go to the Rams. Uh, you know, two games against Tampa Bay. They got the NFC North and the NFC West. They're not going to be favored in none of those games. So uh, it could be a very long season. But, um, you know, they got some young players that are going to get a chance to play. They'll have to get better and, um, you know, have enough building blocks at the end of this move forward in the free agency and brag to people that, hey, we got something going here. We just need you. And, uh, you know, that's going to be their posture coming out of this season. The Orlando Ledbetter, AJC.com, covers the Falcons. Daryl, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Sure, no problem, Kevin and Ben. Take care. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, as always. D. Orlando Ledbetter joining us here on 3 and Out Falcons and OTAs uh, going on. Uh, there in Flowery Branch. We got much more to get to here on Three and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Appreciate D. Orlando Ledbetter coming on the show, talking about the uh, latest there at Falcons Camp as they go through OTAs there in Flowery Branch and talking about the, the use of those wide receivers. Obviously, you look at uh, Ben, he wasn't too. Uh, hot on the point that he thinks, you know, Deion Jones was going to get moved uh, anyways. But, I mean, you have to look at it and say he underperformed last year next to the guy with the most tackles in the National Football League. I know he talked about dead cap money. But obviously him missing all of the offseason workouts from here on out, not not good if you're trying to secure and keep your spot uh, there on this Falcons roster. 
Yeah, it's a very, very peculiar situation. I've never seen nobody say they they out for the off season, and especially Kevin that that comes out what days uh, days earlier of you know uh, deciding that he's probably going to get moved June one because of the, the cap hit. But I go back to what he said too as well. You got it. You got the you got a young linebacker. You know Troy Anderson, who while very athletic, when he says quote don't really know how to play the position yet. I don't Chris go care was showing me all his highlights. The young man played. It looked like he played quarterback, linebacker, tight end, everything. Kind of was like a Taysom Hill kind of type, even though he played defense. Deion Jones started looking a lot more attractive because, Kevin, yeah, Deion Jones undersized. I mean, what, 215? Built real similar to Darius Leonard, the linebacker for the Colts. difference is Darius Leonard has been a two-time first-team all-pro, and he's all a 215, 220, and Deion, Deion Jones has underwhelmed. I do think this is going to be a very, very peculiar offseason for the Falcons because Drake London, 20 years old. Brian Edwards, I forgot, and I forgot, Brian Edwards, Casey Hayward, and Marcus Mariota reuniting from being on the Raiders roster. The difference is Brian Edwards caught passes from Marcus Mariota. That must have been on the scout team because Marcus Mariota did not get a lot of burn during the regular season. And I like how I like how D. Orlando is honest when he goes, look, Big receivers mean I might not be able to be as accurate, but they got a gigantic catch radius. So my guy job is to put it in their general vicinity. 6'4, 6'4, 6'3, 6'5. I love the Orlando man. He said, look, man, I'm gonna call it how I see it. But Kevin, did you see the slight jab at the at the O-line? Like that was surprising. <laughs> <laughs> there are certain guys, because to me, it don't matter if we got six, four receivers. It don't matter if you're getting a running back from uh, Tennessee. It doesn't matter if guys showing promise on the defensive side. If that offensive line cannot block better in 2022 than they did in 2021, it is going to be a long year for everyone, Marcus Mariota. But, hey, man, early signs are always good, Kevin, like he said, man. I mean, my goodness, man, when you talk about you, Brent Grimes, well, you talking about a blast from the past. Wow, he went way back there with that one. Yeah, the all-flowery branch team. I like that uh, when he threw that out there. Also, uh, also as you said, I think D. Orlando is continuing to go. Kayla McGarry, like, why is he still getting run out there? You know that. that but I mean, that's every, yeah. every time we've asked about yeah. the O line, he's like, for some reason, they keep putting Kayla McGarry out there, uh, and and hoping he's going to get better. But I think that's the one thing that you worry about, uh, Ben, with his Falcons, as you do end up in certain cases with the all flowery branch team, where hey, guys looking good in shorts, and then when it comes time hey. to hit somebody in the face, hey. where'd you go? And Kevin, and Kevin, there are certain things. Listen, Kevin, there are certain things in baseball, right? That no matter what level you play on, you know, you know, you play in the big leagues, you play in the minor leagues, you play t-ball. There, there are phrases that just don't go away. In football, look, there are guys in helmets and shorts you can't do nothing with them. I'm talking about whoa, you just you put these pads on right there because it's really just the pads right there. And all of a sudden, where he at? Oh, uh, what had happened is my, my shoulder been hurting all week. And I know y'all didn't notice. Well, how your shoulder hurt? We was off last week. Yeah, yeah, I was at the batting cage throwing with my – you're a liar. You don't want to come out there. But, hey, you don't want to be on the flower, all-flower branch team. You want to make the real team and get out there and hit real people when it really matters. And, again, uh, the Deion Jones word was he had a shoulder situation. He had surgery on. He's going to miss the rest of the offseason, has been said. The, that news coming out uh, just a couple of days after – Jeff Schultz had an article in The Athletic saying it was probably imminent that Deion Jones was going to be moving on from the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, my sure. I'm not saying he's, he's – Oh, that, that, that's, that's the, uh, the Jalen Ramsey, man. I can't play for Jacksonville, but I hear L.A. all pro. I got real really quick. 
healed up, ready to go. We'll come back. Take three around the corner. Good to have you along on this Thursday on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. This is Three and Out. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. Good to have you back here. Hour two on this Thursday. And a lot to get to as we now know the uh, the start times. First uh, four games of college football. But now we know the week ones. You can really set your schedule uh, for college football. We'll get to some of those coming up in just a little bit. The Braves, winners last night. Dare I say it? Well, I won't say it yet, but we know what could happen if they win tonight. That's all I'll say for right now, Ben. So I'll, I'll, leave, it, I'll leave it alone right there. Let's take three here on, on three and out. All right, Ben, take one. Take one. Kirby Smart, the, uh, the president of Georgia, is not Kirby Smart, but the president of Georgia, Dr. Uh, Jerry Moorhead, has said... We are working on an extension for Kirby Smart. Obviously, everybody does that when you win the national championship. But working on a extension for Kirby Smart, it is commensurate with other coaches who have won a national championship. So that being said, given he just put the most players in the National Football League in one draft from one school, won the national championship, should Kirby be the highest paid head coach in college football? No. He, he should be he should be one of the highest paid, but he should be the highest paid. Kevin, we don't want to start doing this, right? You I'm know who's gonna be the highest paid. Yeah. No, no, you and listen, I'm not blaming Kirby, but this is the thing, right? Kirby Smart, what? I think he's going for year six. I think year six. All right. In six years, right? He's dominated. After his first year, he's dominated the East, right? He's been to what three straight, I want to say three or four SEC championship games. He's won the national championship. He has won uh SEC championship. We don't want to start getting into the. We don't want to start getting into what uh, Nick Saban does, or Dabo Sweeney has done, right? Dabo Sweeney has two national championships. That's that. Jimbo Fisher has a national championship. Coach O, even though he's no longer, he has a national championship. Though he's no longer in coaching, you got you bring over a guy like Brian Kelly, the winning is coach in Notre Dame history. Now, should Kirby Smart be in the top five? Absolutely, and coach him. But this is why he gonna get the money though, Kevin. Billy Napier is going to make $7.1 million. He hasn't coached a down. He's going to make $7.1. Lane Kiffin makes like $7.25. And I want to say that uh, Jimbo Fisher makes nine. Neither one of those coaches that won national championships. So that means that Kirby Smart is at least going to be in the, what, 12, 13 range because he's re- it's a recency thing. So you you, you only re-sign when, when you know when you start winning, he won a national championship. He's gonna be there. But Nick Saban, I already know. I hope Kirby Smart get twenty million. That means I'm <laughs> twenty one. So at the end of the day, until Nick leaves, Nick Saban should and has earned the distinction of being the highest paid coach in college football. Number two, that's up for debate. I do think Kirby's gonna get one of those Dabo Sweeney type numbers, man. It's gonna be. And I'm sorry, Mel Tucker got what ninety something million. Yeah. Oh, Kirby's gonna get some cheese. He's gonna get some cheese. If you had to guess, hundred a uh, hundred million over a certain uh, yeah, yeah 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 I think I think some I mean I you know oh man I ain't, I ain't count nobody's money again but eight years I don't know eight years uh, you know a hundred mil or something something crazy you know because it's all about two things people it's about the annual and the buyout that's it it's about the <laughs> annual. And Kevin, I don't think they want to buy him out anytime soon. I, don't know, they're, 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 I mean, yeah. people go, why won't why is Jimbo still at Texas AM? Have you seen that buyout? 
Oh, he's going to be at Texas A&M for a minute. Because while boosters don't mind giving you that cheese, they don't want to give you, you know, what is it, Bobby Bonilla? What's his name? Uh, yeah, Bobby Bonilla, all... yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, Kevin, at the end of the day, we always say this. Then the company, no, I don't even think it was a year ago. We was talking about they're still paying Gus Malzahn and different guys from Auburn. Trust me. Once you get that 10, 20 million, they're going to spread that bad boy out. But should Kirby Smart be in the top two or three? Absolutely. He's definitely earned that distinction. I think he will be. I mean, I I don't – listen, Ben, you know this. You've said this on the show. Everything around sports at times is about pettiness and perception. Don't think that Kirby Smart's agent, who was hanging out there, Kirby was with Nick Saban, don't think they don't know, hey, this is what Nick Saban gets. We just won the first national championship for you in 40 years. I'm going to say that again. We just won the first national championship for you in 40 years. If he's getting 12, we're getting 11. You better believe it. It's good. Oh, yeah. It's oh, oh. oh, yeah. He, he, he's supposed to be close by. Because at the end of the day, like you say, Kevin, this is a flex. Of course. Georgia's saying, Georgia saying, hey, man, we beat Alabama straight up in the national championship. We've elevated the status quo since Mark Ritt has left. We put 15 guys, you know, in the freaking NFL draft, you know, in, in his last draft. We the beast of the East. We won the seven to eight teams that can and actually won the national championship. And we are no longer in the dark days of could, shoulda, coulda, woulda. No, this happened. You're welcome. I'm going to need that cheese. I mean, I'm a, yeah, the, 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 you know, welcome to Kirby Smart Bank and Trust. Back up the truck. Yeah. All right, moving along. Take two. Coming into the preseason now as we're inside 100 days, who is the best quarterback in the SEC as the conference continues to reload? Bryce Young, Stetson Bennett, Anthony Richardson. You got Max Johnson, uh, Jefferson there at uh, Arkansas. What now? Hendon Hooker, Spencer Rattler. Who's the best? Uh, who's the best? Who's the great? Uh, no, just that would be a one Bryce Young. Uh, listen, I, listen. I, what? Look, listen. I love. I, I'm gonna say this though. I'm gonna say this. People ain't gonna like it. Stetson Bennett is the truth. Now, I was Make, trying to. No, I was he, trying to bait you into saying that. No, no, no. Stetson Bennett is the truth. Like he is. Because at the end of the day, hey Bryce, what you got that Heisman right? Yeah, you got the NIL deal. Yeah, I got that. I got that ring. Oh, and guaranteed they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna be sure. Now, Kevin, this is but at, at, I will say this though. I'm a, Stetson Bennett, the last three years for Georgia has meant more to them than any player I've ever seen. He's meant more than any of them. And I love Jordan Davis and that defense. I'm not taking nothing away from them. They do not play offense. So you telling me my number one receiver, gone, Burton, hurt all year. I got a true freshman. At tight end, and we're gonna go out there and get it done with a with an okay running game that don't even feature the running backs like they used to. Stats and minute people is my number two. And that's not how perfect like like Spencer Radler, right? Like, you know, like like Levinson Company. Love Hendon Hooker. Obviously, I love AR-15. I mean, we, we tied to the hip. But at the end of the day, Kevin, I'm sorry, Stats and Minute is number two because of the production first. And the end result second. Because he had a he had, I'm not gonna do my BJ and get into the QBRs. He was top five. He was top five. Obviously, I'm gonna go with Bryce Young. I mean, you coming back, you won the Heisman last year. I mean, they didn't, I mean, they won, they won a bunch of games because of Bryce. And like I said, Bryce Young was down two, his two star receivers in the national championship. But I'm gonna go with who we had. But yeah, Stetson Bennett is my number two. And if you don't like it, check the numbers, check the stats, check the bling. 
No, he uh, he uh, he checks all three boxes. I mean, I think uh, I think the quarterback depth in the SEC this year is going to be spectacular yeah. to watch yeah. and, and see a lot of great quarterbacks there. I'm, like you said, hey, if you're, I, I was I, I specifically put that in there, Ben, because I thought I was going to get a Stetson Bennett. Not, like, listen, hey. listen, I already said the great Kirby Smart earlier this week. I'm giving them them dogs they love, but Stetson, love you, Stetson, man. I mean, you know, Stetson, listen, Stetson, listen, Stetson, go get you the hat, go get you the fragrance, because you got the bling. But at the end of the day, it's Bryce Young. It's Bryce Young, Kevin. I'm not going to do the crazy thing and say things like Blake Bortles is better than Cam Newton. I'm not starting that nonsense on this show. All right, moving along. <laughs> moving along, we'll go to, uh, to take three. Uh, so sad news today as part of take yeah. three. Uh, Ray Liotta, actor, great actor, passed away today at the age of 67. Been in a lot of stuff. Goodfellas, Field of Dreams. Narc. He's played a lot of bit parts. I think he was in Winnie the Dad in Blow. Uh, to, he was Johnny Depp's dad uh, in Blow. What was his best film, in your estimation? I mean, it's, I mean, I'm gonna say this. I've never seen Goodfellas, but anybody in, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm what? sorry, I'm sorry. Never seen Field of Dreams either. I, I, I'm tripping with that too. Kevin's like, what? Those are like the Kevin two like best this. ones. We're gonna, have to talk, we're gonna have to talk about somebody. You talk about somebody who's not getting the contract. <laughs> that's gonna be me because I'm not doing no. But I will say this: Narc is a incredible movie. You kill my partner, and I'm already a rogue cop. I do I do stuff my <laughs> way. And you gonna say, "Hey, listen, hey, bro, don't give me that end of the academy. I don't want to hear about none of that. We finna get these dudes." He was incredible in Narc. Now I will say this, man: I seen that movie, Karina, Karina. When he, when it was by him and his, and him and his daughter, he had to get a nanny because his mom died and it was him and Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, my, my mom had me watching movies like this, Kevin. It's always. It's but okay then, to say you liked it. I mean, I, mean, I like it. I like it. Listen, I, I'm still, I liked it. I'm still mad. I know what you were. You were like, you like, like you know? couching it. You're like, but I, I will say this, movie, though. Asian. I will say this. Kill them softly. Listen to me. That is a. I like it with mobs robbing mobs. So you gonna rob me? You robbing people? Yeah, but you gonna rob me? Him? I mean, you talking about uh, uh, what's it, James uh, Gandal- Gand- Gandalfini? Mm-hmm, that was yeah. the main character. Yeah, he was. He was. He's. That's his. Listen. That's. Uh, I want to say that's Brad Pitt's partner. In a great movie, but he will be missed. I think sometimes, you know, Kevin, when these type when these type of things happen, we go back and realize who. This dude was in a lot of mo- like yeah man, I'm 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 Johnny Depp's daddy in blow. I'm the guy. I'm the guy. Uh, I'm one of the people in the freaking uh, emergency room on John Q with Denzel. You know, he's great as a he's great as a he's great as a co-star. Great as a star. He will be missed. But as far as like me, man, I mean, you know, Narc to me. I'm sorry. You kill a cop's partner who's already rogue. It, it, when, listen, when I got the government on my side in the state backing me, <laughs> the bullets will be flying, people, and y'all, y'all, y'all can clean it up. Oh man, I, like Goodfellas, Field of Dreams, two great roles. He was shoeless Joe Jackson. He's like, if you build it, he will come. <laughs> so I'm talking about Ray. And again, I, a lot of people may be saying, "Who is Ray Liotta?" If you're on social media, I know you've seen the one of him laughing in Goodfellas because that one's out there, uh, you know, all, all the time. But yeah, Goodfellas, come on, Karen. I can't do it. I can't do that accent. Karen, <laughs> when he's yelling at his wife, I don't know. That was good. Hey man, like, I, you need like, to watch I, Goodfellas. Great movie. I, listen, listen, Kevin. Listen, before this year is out, Goodfellas, Field of Dreams, Bull Durham. You know, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get. I'm gonna have to get these. 
get these movie references down pack. I feel bad that I've never seen Goodfellas. That is a travesty. That is like, it I don't is. know, boneless wings. Certain <laughs> things just shouldn't happen. Yeah, I would say that I would say this. Watch Goodfellas before Field of Dreams. And all that radio is good at that. I think James Sir Earl Jones is very good in Field of Dreams. Kevin Costner, obviously, very good. But I'd watch yeah. Goodfellas before Field of Dreams. Okay. All right. Goodfellas first. Because Goodfellas, Goodfellas is based on, like, a, I, I believe it's based on a, he plays Henry Hill, who was in the in the mob and ended up being an informant down the road. But that, it's based on on him. And so Ray Liotta's kind of like, that, that was a great movie. Okay. If you like mob movies. Yes, which that, I do. That, that That's a good one. Which I do. All right. I mean, listen, you, you, my movies with me, hey, because everybody, you know, I'm just saying, I mean, everybody see a mob movie, they say, you know, they calling their friends, hey, man, we can do it. Well, you don't get on my phone? We can't do none of that. We need, mobs, they need cooperation, which we do not have. Don't call my phone. Not doing it. Yeah, great movie, Goodfellas. Ray Liotta, apparently he was making a movie when he when he passed away. I think he suffered a, a heart attack or something when I was reading. It was very sad. Great actor. He's gone uh, certainly uh, too soon. That's take three. We've got more to get to here on three and out. Week one college football. We now know the times. Let's, we've got to plan it out. Unbelievable schedule of watching college football. We'll get to that when we return here. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Love to hear from you at Pigskin Radio on Twitter. We're streaming live ESPNCoastal.com. You can also watch us here on the show. Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to our YouTube channel at ESPN Coastal and like and subscribe, and you'll get that notification every time we go live each and every day here for three and out. We're coming right back, talking college football next. Good to have you back here on three and out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you are making us a part of your day. We'll get to uh, some of the latest Falcons news out there as well. Uh, coming up, but college football, a lot of uh, schedule release uh, today, Ben, for the first weekend of college football. Actually, the first four weeks of the college football season. We now know the game times. And let me tell you, the the opening week, we already knew there was going to be some tremendous football games out there. But now, we start to plan it out uh, as uh, as we see it. Georgia, Oregon. No surprise. 3.30 there in Mercedes-Benz. So your midday viewing pleasure the defending national champs been against their former defensive coordinator in Dan Lanning. Bo Nix comes back to uh, Atlanta. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that for week one college football. And to me, the most intriguing game right there uh, in a weekend of pretty intriguing games right there, 330. Yeah, Kevin, I mean, the thing about it is, I mean, Dan Lanning's going to realize, hey, man, you no longer part of, you know what I'm saying, the Georgia Bulldog Country Club. I know you went to a real nice crib out there in Eugene, Oregon. I know y'all got I know y'all got new uniform for every single game, but just because you can't recruit in the SEC, it ain't the same thing as in the Pac-12. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say Sam Pittman, when he went from Georgia to Arkansas, I think his first game out of the gate was against some Georgia Bulldogs, and I think that was an all-SEC schedule that year. Very, very unfair to that man, but it should be good. Kevin, college football wins, right? We because we know how we know how this book ends, right? We already know it's going to be some form of Georgia, Alabama, and two other teams scratching the clock, Ohio State, Clemson, maybe. But out the gate, Mercedes Benz, you're talking about an Oregon, a team that's been really, really competitive, really, really good, kind of waving the flag for the Pac-12. Georgia defending national, Georgia, the defending national champs. So one thing about it, Mrs. Smart. She's going to be like, boy, I don't know what to do with all this money, man. My goodness. But I'm happy with Dan Landing, though. He understands the strengths of that defense. The problem is they don't have a lot of weaknesses. It's going to be it's gonna be a fun game, Kevin. Like I said, I mean, uh, 
Isn't it, isn't it crazy? It used to be Alabama was in the dome following every season. Yeah. First game. Now it was Georgia. It's coincidental that it just happens to be the national champion. Well, Kirby Smart said, y'all said the national champs get to play in the dome if they win it. He won it. They 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 uh, they honored that uh and hey man, Dan Lanning had no clue he was gonna be the head coach of Oregon when they when they when they made this schedule. But here we are, should be a good one. I mean, just of all the times for it to work out, right? I mean, Oregon, I mean, if Mario Cristobal stayed, it would have been a great matchup, but the way it worked out is Georgia, Oregon, your defensive coordinator who just oversaw one of the most dominating defenses we've seen in the last 20, 30 years in, in college football, sent a bunch of dudes off that defense to the National Football League, and now you get to turn around and play your former team week one right out the gate with, oh, by the way, a quarterback that's also intimately familiar with the Georgia Bulldogs and the SEC and the way things go, and Bo Nix. I mean, Bo Nix has had a lot of success in that building as well. Uh, wasn't was it Bo Nix that did? Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Bo Nix beat Oregon in the in the yes. Georgia Dome to start? Yes. Bo, Bo Nix, Bo, Bo Nix first game in college. I want to say was against Oregon, and I, and I threw like a game winner at the end of the game. Right. It's. I mean, these college football's highs are incredible, but these first games showing you, Kevin, that you know you're getting more of a bowl game type atmosphere, a college football playoff preview in certain games, depending on who it is. But what they really do is that they say, oh. You know, we get these teams from the Pac-12. How would they fare against, quote, SEC schools? Hey, I think it's going to be a good one. I know it's going to be a good one. Dan Lanning is uh, why he's scratching and clawing at the bit to be able to say how his team stacks up against Georgia. We're going to learn a lot about old Mr. Stetson Bennett, three-headed monster at the tight end position. You know, uh, we'll see. You know, uh, we'll see what happens with that defense is going to be locked down again, headlining, you know, uh, you know, by guys like Carter and Nolan Smith and the, it's Georgia. All they do is reload like nobody's business. And like I say, Kirby Smart is going from five star, five star players to five star culture to winning. They already had the winning culture. Hey, it's I know that sideline for the Georgia Bulldogs. It's gonna be are you on the list? Because they're gonna be trying to get in there. Gonna be about ten thousand of them on the sideline. Oh, it's the only way I'm getting in there because you know, I'm with the media. You man, like look, you see, you see my credentials. You better move, man. <laughs> <laughs> Our good friend Jeff Owens will be down there with you know ten thousand former. Oh yeah, yeah, Jeff. Owens, how many? Yeah, ten thousand former players. Ten thousand. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's so. That's obviously the highlighter there at uh, at three thirty. Then you go into the night games on that uh, Saturday night. You got Notre Dame and Ohio State potentially. Wow. I won't say it's an elimination game, but it very well could be uh, week one in Utah and Florida. Two teams. I think that uh, people are. Eminently interesting. Kyle Whittingham in Utah, they always very, very good. They came within a whisker bin uh, of potentially crashing the playoff system last year. Uh, it didn't quite go their way, but they're going to be a very good team. And then Florida, everybody is talking about Billy Napier and what he brings from Louisiana to the Florida Gators program and how quickly can they turn. I mean, as you said, it's talking about setting the stage. Utah wins. You just went across country, went in the swamp on a Saturday night and got a big win. Florida wins. You beat one of the best teams in the Pac-12 in Billy Napier's uh, first game. Uh-oh. The expectations just shot through the clouds, right? I mean, if, if, if you do that, because I would imagine Utah's going to be top 10 in, in the first poll when it comes out. And a win on a uh, at home in the first game against a program like that, and you're already starting the, uh, oh, man. Our, could we win this thing? We're in the, you know, I, ben, you know how, how fans are yeah. uh, off of a win. So you got that right there. Sunday, you get Florida State, LSU, and Monday, you get Clemson, Georgia Tech, 
there in Mercedes-Benz. So, I mean, man, just three days right there of tremendous, tremendous football. And now that we kind of know uh, where these games are, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Florida, Utah, going to have to be some remote flipping going on there the opening Saturday night of college football. It's gonna be it's gonna be great, Kevin. It's gonna be great. We, I mean, is there is there a better game in college football than Ohio State Notre Dame? That's your first game of the year. You talking about you talking about the biggest brand in college football, Notre Dame, paired with one of the biggest brands in college football, Ohio State. I mean, and I just think that you know what, Coach Freeman, his first game, uh, first uh, first game uh, coaching for them Notre, for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and obviously Coach Day trying to continue that incredible. A tradition at Ohio State led by C.J. Stroud. The top receivers in the country go to Ohio State this year. I am saying that right now. You don't believe me? I'm sorry. They just put two in the draft in the first round. And, and Marvin what, Marvin Harrison Jr., I mean, they had a player in the freaking bowl game catch for more yards and catches than most guys have all year. Ohio State and that and that, and that, and that uh, C.J. Stroud and that freaking offense versus, you know, Notre Dame in the brand. You talk about Florida, uh, Kevin, with a guy like Billy Napier. Look. Big time coach, you know, coaching a uh, job he did in Louisiana. I mean, and for those of you who said Louisiana, play the Sun Belt if you want to. Play with them if you want to. We're going to see how good AR-15 is. We're going to see how good guys like Javon Dexter is. We're going to see if guys like Justin Shorter and Keon Zipper and a, and a bunch of guys on offense with big names, do they got a big game to go along with it? Because Utah, last time I checked, that's the, that's the defending Pac-12 champs. Uh, play with Utah if you want to. They will light a scoreboard up. And, Kevin, you know, at the end of the day, you come across country, and that's a long flight, people. That is a long flight. The game's there to get a big win. We started out. You talk about a team like freaking Florida State and LSU. Look, it's it's going to be great. I, I think I think that sometimes, Kevin, even with the Clemson and Georgia Tech, Jeff Collins, I'm going to say this again. The most intriguing coach in college football this year lives in Atlanta. His name is Jeff Collins. He got one of the hardest schedules Ever known, I've ever seen in a long time. <laughs> Kevin, now I know, listen, DJU, you're talking about knowing people, right? They should have beaten Clemson last year. They should have beaten them. But for, the, but for those people saying, man, they in the dome. The last time Georgia Tech was in the dome, they had a big-time quarterback named Sam Howe. What did they do to him? What did they do to him in the dome? Listen, all I'm saying is, Kevin, you talk about out the gate. If Jeff Collins beats Clemson, woo! <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, yeah. and, and Kevin, and the reason why I said is this, the first games, you really don't know. Like, you really don't know what a team has right now. Every, every scout report, every media blitz is going to be incredible coming out of coming out of fall camp. Everybody is ready to go. Well, I mean, a lot of you went back to last year, Clemson and Georgia first game. A lot of people said, wow, that Georgia defense really bottled up Clemson and did a great job on DJU. And 10 weeks later, you're still going, boy, that Clemson offense never – has put any really put it together. That defense was very good, but uh, that obviously again, as you said, week one, you just don't know what you're looking at uh, at the end of the day. So yeah, they got their work cut out for them. But that could be uh, again a couple of opportunities to have really big upsets in in week number one. I mean, you talk about Jeff Collins beating a uh, a Clemson would be huge for him. Uh, you look there at, uh, at at Tallahassee, Florida State, LSU going to Death Valley, the wow. first game for Brian Kelly. If wow. Florida State can maybe catch LSU in some first game discombobulation, and again, they Mike Norvell's recruited all right, uh, you know, there at at Florida State. What a statement that could be for for them in their season. As you said, Notre Dame, Ohio, there's going to be some statements made in Week One in a big, big way with some of these football games that that, that we've been talking about. I mean, Kevin, look, Jeff Collins will be my upset of the weekend, but Florida State go to Death Valley, Brian Kelly. 
going from Notre Dame to LSU. You know it's big-time postseason aspirations, trying to even win the West and all these different things. Coach Norvell could come out the gate and beat LSU on the road and death at that. I mean, it's going to be some big-time It's going to be some big time games, big-time storylines, big-time players. There's a lot of question marks in college football this year. Georgia ain't one of them. Alabama ain't one of them. Ohio State ain't one of them. Notre Dame, Notre Dame got Coach Freeman. You know, uh, you're there taking over for Coach Brian Kelly. You talk about what the you you talk about what Utah want to come to Florida and just spoil they spoil they open the game, spoil the first game for Billy Napier. Mike Norvell wants to go in and welcome. Uh, he wants to welcome. You know, a guy like Brian Kelly, not necessarily to the ACC or the SEC, but say, hey, this is different over here, man. I know you've been doing the Notre Dame. And if Coach Jeff Collins in the Dome can beat them Clemson Tigers, Kevin, how much did that say about, hey, one, was the Clemson just have some incredible quarterbacks these last three or four years like Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence to where they were so good, they just was that much better than the competition? Because DJU, the jury is still out on you, young man. I know you came from California over to Clemson, but you're going to have to prove it because, Kevin, if Jeff Collins can beat Clemson, I'm sorry, man. That that's showing you that these Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, man, they got it. They're gonna have a. It's gonna be a long year for them, but you can start it like that. It could be, it could be the uh, the 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 opening weekend of upsets. I mean, you know, and it, it didn't go crazy because, like I say, Dan Lanning, man, man, man. I wish you the best, but Georgia, you got to beat them for four quarters. Great games though, all across up. And think about it, Kevin. You talk about Georgia. You talk about Georgia and Oregon. You talk about Florida and Utah. You talk about Florida State and LSU. You talk about Clemson. Uh, talk about Clemson and Georgia Tech. I mean, you talk about Notre Dame, Ohio State. We haven't mentioned Alabama yet. That's how great. That's how great uh, college football is when you can have all these headlining games. And you don't have to have Nick Saban and company to do it. But make no mistake about it, Bryce Young and company. If you got the plan this year, may God bless you. It is going to get rough. Well, that's coming in the next week with Alabama, Texas. So Alabama, Woo! Texas. I think is. I think they said it's eleven a.m. Central. So high noon. Alabama, Texas in week two. So that's uh, have no fear. They're, they'll show up on the schedule here in, uh, in a big, big way. We got more to come here. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Falcons and OTAs there at Flowery Branch. We'll hear from D. Orlando Ledbetter later in the show. But Deion Jones announced he's out for the entire offseason uh, after having a shoulder situation. I had a lot of speculation earlier that uh, maybe he was going to be moved. Ben, if he's hurt, I know we uh, heard people say, no, they weren't going to move him. He's got too much dead money. I think $5 million. But obviously that goes out the window now that he can't participate in uh, in in offseason workouts leading up to the season, right? And nobody knows if he's healthy or not. Yeah, you're not going to trade for a player that's, that's, that, has a, that has an injury. Andy's coming off of, uh, you know, I think he had surgery. Yeah, Kevin, I mean – it's it's a it's a peculiar situation because obviously if, had he been hurt, a lot of teams would have been able to trade for him, even though they wouldn't want to pick up that entire contract. Atlanta would have had to be on the books for probably some of that money. But I think it kind of goes back, you know, to a guy like Troy Anderson, who really really good player, very very raw, very very raw. And the thing is, sometimes you know to validate your draft pick, sometimes I want to have a veteran. Now, do I see Deion Jones being in being in Flowery Branch past twenty twenty two? I will go no, but. I mean, maybe he has one more good year left in him because you know you're going to get the best he has once he comes off an injury because he's not just auditioning uh, for, for, to go out there every Sunday for the Falcons. He's auditioning for 31 other teams if he does indeed want to continue his career after 2022. Yeah, so the, I mean, the Atlanta Falcons, obviously, you're going to hold there. They go out and sign a running back. 
Uh, today, Jeremy McNichols from the Titans. He's an Arthur Smith uh, guy. At least he had played for Arthur Smith uh, in the past. And, you know, are the Falcons building some uh, some running back depth? And, and Ben, you got, you know, Damian Williams there. You went out and drafted a running back. Corderell Patterson, how, how are you feeling about Corderell Patterson as the the running back, per se? As running back number one, as people like to say, RB1. I don't, I don't feel good about it. I, I, and, and that's nothing against Cordero Patterson, right? I think what happens is Cordero Patterson shows you that the more you can do, versatility, you know, being flexible, being a guy that can go out there and do, you know, many things. But, Kevin, think about this. It's the same Cordero Patterson who his best year in the pros, 2021. The same Cordero Patterson who he tested the free agency waters. People are like, we'll pay you to come on our team to return kicks and, uh, you know, uh, to, be a, to be a, you know, second, third, or maybe a slot, re- slot receiver. We're not giving you running back money. You did it for a team in Atlanta who, yeah, y'all had Matty Ice, y'all won seven games. You was very exciting. But I think that what Cordell Patterson brings to the table is versatility. You want to have a guy that you can put in different positions because you know what you got in Kyle Pitts. The jury's still out on Drake Leonard because he's young. You don't know how good Alton Tate is. Brian Edwards, I mean, was a good productive third or fourth receiver in the, within the Raiders. He's going to be he's gonna be uh, picked to be, uh, you know, a number one uh, with these Falcons. But Cordell Patterson is a really, really good player. Make no mistake about it. I mean, to be as big as he is, he's very, very versatile. I mean, certain games, man. I mean, I mean, Kevin, there are games where you just throwing the ball, three touchdowns receiving. There are games where you just finish and run the football, you know, two touchdowns rush. So he is a really, really good player, but he brings depth at two different positions. You need depth at receiver position? Check. You don't know what you got at the running back position, and I think he brings depth. A guy that can, a guy that's going to get a, a certain amount of touches throughout the course of the year. Because the thing about Cordell that we ain't realizing is, if he just had to play receiver, Kevin, and you see how great he, not good, great he is in the special teams, great return man. But you got to limit his touches when he means so much in his offense. Hopefully, he can just play the, I mean, the receiver position, and maybe some special teams, and let the running back try to go out there and make a name for themselves this year. I mean, are you, is Damian Williams a guy that can carry the load? Obviously, you you drafted the young man from BYU. I don't know if Mc, Jeremy McNichols is going to be a guy that's anything other than you know there to be a body at camp. But how do you see this Falcons run game? I mean, I, I, I neither you or I see Patterson being a fifteen twenty carry guy. I mean, he wasn't that last year, and the Falcons had no running game. So, uh, is it better to get him out of the way? I know they want bigger, taller wide receivers uh, to play on the outside, but what do you do with him? Well, Kevin, I mean, you, you still put him back there. I mean, you still – because sometimes when it comes to these running backs, you got the, you, you got a rookie, you got a journeyman, and you got a guy that's like a utility player. You want to be able to – you know, maybe all three of them can definitely bring some depth. Cordell Patterson is going to dress every Sunday for what he means on his offense. But, you know, we, we go back to the days of, you know, Michael Burner, Turner, and company. When you got a 1,000-yard back, that means I got stability at the running back position. That means that I can go into games and say we're just going to ground and pound them. What makes Atlanta one-dimensional is even if Cordell Patterson is your running back, they're not scared of Cordell Patterson. He's a really, really good player. But it's confusing when he's wearing number 80, you know, he's wearing, you know, 84, and he's back there in the backfield starting at running back. So I do think that, you know, Arthur Smith, I think the thing is, too, Kevin, it goes back to what we said two years ago. You had a 2,000-yard rusher in Derrick Henry. And it's easy to call players when all I got to do is give it a 22. Well, you ain't had nothing like that since then. You couldn't get you couldn't get a thousand yard rushing rushing from three guys, maybe, you know, uh in 2022. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to be very creative, but the running game is gonna have to be 
a key component to this offense because while you got a bunch of tall receivers, you got a bunch of unproven receivers, and if all you're going to do is just sit back there with Marcus Mariota and throw the football around from a guy who's not the, who's not the most deadliest accurate quarterback, it's going to be a long year because one-dimensional teams cannot beat great teams in the NFL. You can win some games, you, sh you should win, but it's going to be a long year. Cordell Patterson can help them young running backs, even journeyman running backs, come around and kind of showing them this is what they're looking for for a quality yeah. running game. So the guy who had a career year, uh, I think the Falcons still trying to see where he fits in there in 2022. We've got more to come here on 3-9, including a lot of folks upset college football uh, schedule. Uh, at least we know the game times for the early couple of weeks. He also put out the bowl schedule. A lot of people upset about one change to the bowl schedule. We'll talk about that next. It's 3-9 and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Getting a lot of game times here for the first four weeks of the college football season. Also, the bowl schedule put out there. And we got game times for a number of games and been a lot of folks upset uh, at the uh, bowl schedule. The traditionalists, if you will, because the Sugar Bowl is not in prime time. We don't get the 8 o'clock. I know, obviously, the uh, the SEC is usually in. That's usually always that 8 o'clock uh, kickoff. And everybody goes, well, what's the deal with that? They are ahead of both of the college football playoff games. And I know people say, well, why not move it and have the Sugar Bowl be prime time another day? Well, New Year's Eve is on a Sunday, Saturday, right? Saturday. New Year's Day is on a Sunday. And so you have NFL on New Year's Day. And then the second is obviously on a Monday, which is Monday Night Football. So you're keeping it away from Monday Night Football. So the I guess the compromise that was made is now it's a non-college football playoff year. Is the Sugar Bowl bin going to be at 12 noon there in New Orleans. Does that feel wrong to you? I mean, it's, it's very weird. It is. But that's the thing, right? When you start talking about Kevin and scheduling and what has what sacrifices are going to be made the Sugar Bowl, man, some people ain't going to be getting out of bed then, man. Oh, my God. Like, 11 o'clock. But, hey, you knew it was going to be some sacrifices being made. Now, whatever team makes it to the Sugar Bowl, hey, you, you'll definitely have the rest of your day, uh, you know, to enjoy yourself and you know, and good old New Orleans, because y'all gonna y'all gonna get it done really, really early. But when you start, and that's the thing about scheduling. You talking about scheduling? We're talking about these prime time cable networks. You talking about NFL? You talking about college football playoffs? Monday night football? Oh no! Yeah, they, they said, well, what we gonna do? The Sugar Bowl just gotta go, gotta go early. What? Yep, because we got four teams that everybody's gonna want to watch. We got we got Monday night football. To where, hey man, I mean, it's yeah. I know people I, say, why it, can't it you? Is, it is weird. It they, is weird. I'm calling it is weird, Kevin. But what else can they do? You can talk mean, to the Orange Bowl folks. They're playing the day before uh, in Miami on the 30th. But there's a whole bunch of games. Obviously, uh, the Sugar Bowl is going to be ahead of the playoffs. The playoffs this year are the Peach Bowl in Atlanta and uh, and the Fiesta Bowl. So. You have a okay. triple header of, of football there, but obviously you go past that, you're dealing with the NFL, and obviously yep. both college football and the NFL very respectful of each other's place. And again, usually college football does not mess with Monday night football. Usually college football will not mess with the NFL primetime Sunday night game. We've seen games uh, when there's NFL college bowl games, maybe at noon, maybe at, you know, but they will not mess with the primetime spots 
of the National Football League, and usually the National Football League is like, okay, well, you got Saturdays, man. Like, that's what you got to do. So, yeah, a lot of folks uh, already uh, getting upset that the Sugar Bowl is going to be at 12 noon instead of that traditional uh, night spot uh, there on New Year's Eve. But, hey, you got to get those uh, college football playoff games in and tradition be darned. That's what we've been talking about, uh, Ben, with all the college football expansion and this and that. I mean, a lot of you get tied up on tradition. I'm Hey, I'm right there with you a lot of times. I get tied up on tradition, but tradition be darned in the uh, – in the new wave of college football, right? And it, it, we're just making it happen. Yep. Well, you Kevin, get I mean, it when you get it. I mean, this, well, think about this too, right? Don't know this is why they're really doing this. For everybody saying, "What was the Sugar Bowl?" Uh, who, who's going to be that sacrificial? You know, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, New Year's Six Bowl or what may have you in twenty twenty three. The scheduling is always what games can we get in prime time. But when you start talking about games that have been fixated in our minds and fixating these schedules. Some of these schedule makers is already built in. You don't mess with the college football playoff, and and that and that adds to something, Kevin. Remember, remember why we were saying why would they go to six teams? Why would they go to eight? That's more scheduling yeah. for them to have their own. So so I'll all take a that full kind day of stuff Ben, would you yeah. I mean, would you take one more bowl game and have a twelve, a three, a six, and an eight o'clock? Have four playoff games going on all at the same time? Why not? I'd why not? I mean, and 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 the thing. Now, Sounds I, like fun I to me. <laughs> I mean, because in a sense, Kevin, think about this. It's so many bowl games. They literally play them all day. They literally play. No, no. They will play bowl games all day. It makes you look like, wait a minute, man. I thought this game went off. Though that was a twelve o'clock. Then they got a three thirty. Then they got. Then they got a. Then they got an eight o'clock. And that's on the east coast. Now they got some out there on the west coast to where. So I do think that when you talk about the scheduling aspect of it, and listen, as you said, as I was on the moving concussion. College football, the NFL, they own certain days of the week. And you start putting prime time, they're not moving that for nobody. They're not moving those things for anybody. So, sorry, Sugar Bowl. Y'all yeah. need to do it this year. So, if you make the Sugar Bowl, hey, it's going to be early. Yeah, pregame and pregame meal and breakfast is at the same time. Yeah. Get you some grits, That's our, get, you but, some chick, get you some chicken, and get on to the game. But it's New Year's Eve in New Orleans. You're done. You're out of the building by, you know, 4 o'clock. Get ready to go ring in 2023, right? Plenty yeah. of time there on Bourbon Street uh, post-game to go out and, and do what you got to do. I mean, I would think that they would have something built in for you to enjoy yourself. I mean, you in New Orleans, if you lose the game, at least go out there and enjoy yourself out there in the French Quarter, do something. But, yeah. Look, there's not many people that have had a bad time in New Orleans down there in the French Quarter in Bourbon Street, right? There's, there's not too many yeah. people. Listen, I listen. I was there. I listen. I was there in two thousand when you know when it was us in Miami down there. You know, what I'm saying in the French Quarter with the fist of cuffs. I still had a good time. <laughs> Look at my face. I ain't hit in my face. So I'm just saying. At the end of the day, I was there. It was crazy. It, it was a when misunderstanding. It, yeah, I thought you said a, a total misunderstanding. It was. It, it, it was not a French <laughs> move. It was not. But but at the same time, Kevin, when you go to certain cities, I'm a college student. I want to enjoy the city. We just played in the game high noon. We're in New Orleans. I want to get done with the game and go enjoy the festivities before we get on the plane to go back to wherever our school is. I think that should be built in. Hey, but well, again, I know that was one of the things that came out today. They put some of the bowl schedule out there. Sugar Bowl, same day as the college football playoffs. They're going to be at noon ahead of the two playoff rounds, which Atlanta will have one in the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl out in Arizona. Going to be the other semifinal game. So uh, whoever gets it, Georgia, Alabama, take your pick. I guess they'll be in Atlanta, and the other one will have to go to Arizona to play a uh, – a football. I say that like it's a, a sure thing. Yeah. It's a more you know tongue and cheek joke, but yeah, obviously uh, number one gets first pick. They're going to take Atlanta, whether it's Georgia, Clemson, Alabama. They're taking Atlanta, and everybody else. Well, 
you get to go to Arizona. Here it's lovely on December 31st out there in uh, in Arizona. We'll come back. One more hour to go here. It's 3 and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. Hour 3 on 3 and out as we count you down towards the Braves and the Phillies. 6.05 tonight. Braves with a chance to win three games in a row. I, I, I feel bad for mentioning that because it's, uh, you know, it's kind of been not cool to say, but well, they're very close to doing it if they can get it done uh, tonight, Ben. So we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. We'll hear from D. Orlando Ledbetter uh, talking Falcons uh, here on the show as well. But, you know, we've talked about it a lot, SEC meetings in Destin coming up next week. That will be the kind of epicenter of the college football universe next week there in Destin. And you look at Greg Sankey. You have talked about it on the show. He's become the most powerful guy in college athletics. Right, because he is bringing in the most money. He commands the most attention in his conference. And he kind of has the, I don't know what the word I'm looking, he kind of has the the freedom and the, 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 the backing behind him to do kind of what he wants because he can command eyeballs uh, on his product. He can push forward uh, agendas where other conferences don't have that do it. He is the most powerful guy in college athletics right now. Will he ultimately get what he wants, which is a college football playoff? And I ask you this, Ben, because I don't know. We know Greg Sankey a little bit. We don't know him personally. But people say this sometimes as passing. was like, I do think he wants what's best for the sport. Well, do you – I mean, again, I'm just going to ask. I'm not saying it's good, bad. Do you think Greg Sankey and some of the things he wants, expanded playoff and others that we've talked about, does he want what's best for the sport? Or just for the SEC? I, I, I'm interested to get your take. Because, again, I'm, it doesn't make him a bad person if the answer is either one of those things. What what say you? I, th- I think, he, Kevin, I think he wants both, but I think it's 60-40. I think it's 60% the SEC and 40% college football. Because the, thing, the, the fact of the matter is, he wants to show that I can get the NCAA to do or the college football playoffs to do what nobody else can. No other, no other conference is like mine. No other commissioner is like me. Nobody has leverage like me. We talked earlier about Kirby Smart getting a new deal. The, the highest paid coaches in college football, most of them are in the SEC. The biggest brands outside of Texas coming to the SEC, but not yet, Ohio State, Clemson. So outside of way with Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Texas, Oklahoma, that's five schools, Right? Two of those schools are coming to the SEC. I think the main thing when you talk about Greg Sankey and getting his way is he's saying, look, what I'm doing is good for college football. Yes, I'm the one trying to get it done, but I'm thinking about college football because he knows this. My my power goes up even more because now I'm thinking about the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and the Big 12 and the ACC. But he also knows this. If I can get two with four or I can get four with 12, Maybe even six. It's going to benefit the SEC even more. But, Kevin, you know, just like I know. If you're, if you, when you think about owners' meetings in the NFL, right, it ain't always about the team. The, the Rams just won the Super Bowl. Their owner ain't got more prestige, right, than a guy like Jerry Jones, Robert Kraft. They understand branding, they understand reputation, they understand power, prestige, influence. They understand these things. Well, when you talk about the SEC, even if you don't watch college football, oh, I know about Alabama. 
I know about Georgia and LSU and Texas a and You know about these schools. I just think that Kevin, what he's doing is saying, look, I want college football to change. I just don't want to be the one pushing the button. I want to be the one that said I got that. Because what, what I'm really not understanding is what is the problem? When people start saying, well, look at what happened in Michigan. You know, look at what happened since that happens every year. Somebody gets blown out. Look at the NBA. Look at the NBA freaking playoffs. It's a blowout game every time a team wins. But yet we still watch it. Does that mean the top four teams aren't left? No. But if but it's like it's like the it's like your own little NCAA tournament with college football. We mentioned just then the Sugar Bowl was gonna be played at 12 o'clock. 12. So for all this prestige surrounding the Sugar Bowl, it's gonna be another bowl game. You know, a year from now, I think that what he's doing is saying we got a gazillion bowl games, a bunch. You're telling me you want primetime viewership. Whatever's well, a college football playoff, you're going to get that. You're talking about helping other brands grow. You're going to get that. And if we're the best team, we should be able to make it through this gauntlet. So I, I do think, Kevin, ultimately, He's gonna get what he wants, but you know, but college football playoff gonna take the credit. Oh, that ain't because of Greg Sankey. No, we had this in the works anyway. Yeah, yeah I understand that. I mean, and, I, and I wonder if, if, if you know, like I said, I think the SEC they're going to be very closely watched uh, next week because of Jimbo and Nick Saban, but also because you had Greg Sankey saying, "Look, we're going to talk about doing our own playoff potentially, potentially." And I think people will be like, "Are they really talking about that? What are they doing?" I think you look at. Uh, the SEC, when they when it comes to scheduling, what are they doing for their TV partner? We're going to have more big-time matchup. If I think that's what Greg Sankey's really saying. Like It's one thing to keep tradition, but you know, coming up with this new scheduling model when Texas and Oklahoma come in, what does that really do? It gives you more high-profile TV must-watch football games. And, and how do we make those happen more often so that we can get more dollars? I, I, I think, again, they're going to be the most-watched meetings of the offseason – because of some of the things that are out there. Ben, do you think Greg Sankey could run college athletics? Uh, you know, this yeah. is, he's running a multi-billion dollar uh, business as it is. Obviously, there's an outgoing NCAA chief. Uh, who knows? We've had guests on. I, we talked to uh, uh, Chris Carlin yesterday. He said, look, I think the power schools are going to break away. Might Greg Sankey be also positioning himself to say, Hey, if we're going to do this, if we're going to step away from the NCAA, who's going to run it? I'll do it. I mean, and again, I'm not saying he's advocating for that uh, in these meetings, but has he reached a point where he is, as you said, the most influential voice potentially in the room? Yeah, absolutely. The, th- the thing about Greg Sankey that we're not giving him enough credit for, forget the things he's done you know, with SEC. Kevin, remember the article that came out saying, look, he's been talking about trying to get all these other schools involved, and it went under the radar. You didn't see it, didn't, it, it wasn't no leaks or anything. So he's found a way to have cooperation and collaboration with other schools and other conferences, and he doesn't hush hush. He says, look, we have to operate in a world of social media, in a world of instant news, in a world of clickbait. We got to operate old school, maneuvering in and out. You know, we, we, we no forget at, forget going to the airport. No, we meet in the airport. I mean, can we just meet in here? I don't even want to go outside. I want to just get on the plane. But Kevin, he's earned that influence. Like he knows that. Look, I'm gonna have to make some people mad with some of the decisions that I'm making. But he's saying if I can, he might be the only reason why college football gets saved. If he gets what he wants, 
He gets expanded playoffs. Then all five P5s get in now. This is the only way y'all getting in if we expand. And you start talking about G5, you know, automatic qualifiers. Because I think what it is is with college football is, yes, college football is changing. We get that part. We are not we are not acting as if it is not changing. But, Kevin, you know just like I know. We just happen to live in a part of the country where college football is just supreme. It's, it's the creme de la creme. I lived in the Northeast. It ain't the same. Right? I've been to the West Coast. It's not the same. But they are included in the college football fabric of things. They should be able to be involved. It's like this. Kevin, if you and I both have a business and I'm the top dog, and you know I'm the top dog, and I give you a call, hey, Kevin, yeah, I just got you invited down here with us. What you mean? Your your business got selected to be at this, you know, Fortune 500 meeting. But I'm not a Fortune 500 company yet. Not yet. But we finna help you get there. You don't know. You, you don't think you finna. Because he needs allies. He needs people speaking for him when he's not around to say, man, we need to be beating the drum for college football. And if the SEC got to lead the way, they get to lead the way. It shouldn't – you listen, because let's call it what it is. You're not beating Alabama and Georgia consistently. So all this, oh, we want to play them. All right, you'll get your shot. So I do think that this is considered – this could potentially save college football because – Every geographically, it's very, very one-sided. One region of the country, sometimes Ohio State. That's all you're really getting. And I know you got Michigan and Cincinnati. And Kevin, you know that like I know. Somebody said if Kirby Smart keep beating down the door of Alabama, he's gonna eventually knock the door down. And he did. Now he had to get the infrastructure and the resource. He did. Some of these teams lack resources. Some of these teams lack the funding <laughs> that other teams have. You don't tell me if a team in the Pac-12 is consistently in the college football playoff, them donors, them, them. Because, Kevin, you know, what it really is, they say, I'm not going to give you money to be mediocre. I'm not doing that. Why would I throw money at the program that I know is not going to do anything? But if everybody's watching, and that's a USC, that's a Utah, right? Okay, now we're talking about doing something. They're going to Penn State that, that's not going to get in without it, and they're in the freaking Big Ten. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think sometimes, Kevin, it's about who's doing it, not what they're doing. Because if it's getting done, it shouldn't matter to you. Oh, it's Greg Sankey again. Okay. The SEC, out of all conferences, did everything the right way during the pandemic when you had, when you really didn't know what in the world you was doing. I think that Greg Sankey, I've met him before, man, seemed to be a cool, calm, collected guy. And no matter what the money you throw at him, man, the man been making money for a long time. He wants to see college football stay around. And this might be the only way it got guys like Mark Emmer and the NCAA even have a even have, you know, a platform to stand on. Cause right now, Kevin, you talk about when the last time we heard anything from Mark Emmer. Well, no, I mean he's on the way out, but I, 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 I mean I think really, out, but whoever uh, whoever's replacing him, you replacing him to do what? I mean, that that's what I'm saying. What is the new president gonna do? No, nothing. I, again, I, and I get, I, I say this, I think the way it continues to move, I think you are looking at Greg Sankey. I mean, I know Jimbo said it about Nick and Jess, but I really think you could be looking at Greg Sankey becoming a czar of college football uh, if they do indeed get to a point where it becomes a power three and they say, see y'all later, it, which a lot of people have said is on the way to happening. So who runs that? I, I think he's certainly right in line to do that. That's why, again, I think it's very interesting to see what comes out of the meetings next week uh, in terms of what the SEC wants and how much they want, how badly they want it. Because, as you said, Greg Sankey, SEC commissioners haven't been told no a whole lot. Roy Kramer, go way back when, he was the first one to say, I want a championship game. It happened, right? SEC, I want a championship game. It happened. We make rules to happen. Continued on. Then Mike Slive comes in there. 
talking about expansion, talking about working with the ACC to come up with a college football playoff. Oh, you can't do that. It happened. And now you have, you know, Greg Sankey, who has uh, overseen the transition along with Mike Sly, the creation of an SEC network, uh, building the brands of not just football, but all their programs, now to the point where the SEC has the chutzpah to leak out, uh, you know, the the stones to leak out. Hey, we, we, we know we want expanded playoffs, but we're going to talk about doing one ourselves. Like, you don't just let that slip out unless it, at least it's a, a veiled threat or a legitimate process uh, that you think it happens. So I, I'm very intrigued to see what happens next week in Destin, despite, uh, you know, not just who's laying in the sand, taking up some sun and, and, and crashing on some waves. So we got more to come here. It is three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Love to hear from you on the show. 912-342-7184 at Pigskin Radio on Twitter. We're streaming live ESPNCoastal.com. You can also watch the show on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to our YouTube channel at ESPN Coastal. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Thanks for making us a part of your day. We'll hear from D. Orlando Ledbetter coming up in just a, a little bit as we uh, count you down towards the Braves and Phillies. Braves, Ben, with a chance, dare I say it, I've I'm, I'm been scared to say it all show. Could win three in a row if they get it done Tonight win 8-4. to four. Thankfully, the Phillies defense worse than the Braves as they threw it around the yard last night. But, uh, look, this Braves team with a chance to find we, – we, we said this stretch, a chance to find a little momentum. You're guaranteed a split at worst. A win tonight obviously would be three out of four. You could get a series win and continue here uh, through this stretch where, again, you're not going to face a winning team until nearly the end of June. So, I think it'd be a good sign if they could go out and finish off the uh, the Phillies tonight, take three out of four, and move on to the Marlins again. So I was talking about this Braves team, yeah. I mean, like you're talking about the Phillies, you know, uh, obviously the errors and different things. I think when you look at this Braves team, Kevin, they're showing poise, right? I mean, eight runs is obviously a solid outing for any team to go out there and get a big dub. And like I said, they're working on that game, you know, every, you know, every single at bat, every single outing. I mean, every single inning. And – if they do get this third, you, you don't want to split it. You definitely want you, you know, like you said, at worst, they're going to split the series. But at best, they can get three out of four for a team that obviously with a guy like uh, Ronald Acuna, you know, you know, uh, dealing with an injury right now. Hopefully, uh, it's, not, it's not something that's going to be long term. But I just like the fight of the team. I like I like this Braves team that understands, look, man, we got to, we got to fight our way through it. We got to find a way to get get these dubs. Nobody, nobody's gonna feel sorry for the Bravo. I'm sorry, man. We got one of the best teams. Definitely one of the best lineups. Everywhere you look, the Braves are loaded. Lineup loaded. Starting pitching loaded. Uh, bullpen loaded. And I just think that Kevin, if they can stick to their winning ways, it's so much easier to go back and look at the game when you're winning. And you, listen, you still making corrections. You still trying to make sure guys are still having good at best. Guys are still being aggressive. Guys are still playing quality defense. You know, uh, throwing strikes, not walking people, different things. But eight to four sounds sounds much better than four to eight. You know, I, I know uh, them losing the game. So I do think when you think about this Braves team, Kevin, it's working out, working, working. You know, you know, working through it every single game, every single every single inning. So I, I just think at the end of the day, we got to find a way to make sure they they, they continue to the, with their winning ways, and hopefully they don't they don't fall into one of these slumps of you know, Kevin, like playing well. Want to continue to play well? I think they got good a shot as in. And had to do it when without Ronald Acuna Jr. last night had a quad strain. Uh, according to Brian Snicker, not going to play tonight either. So uh, winning without Acuna, I, I think, is important. Uh, ben, it shows you can still continue to get it done. But 
Uh, you know, he has been a interesting case here. I know I, I I was talking with somebody yesterday. They said, man, I hope he doesn't become injury prone. I know that is a dirty, that's a dirty phrase around athletes, right? Oh, you're injury prone. Why? Because I got hurt? Does that mean like I'm always going to get But you have Acuna, obviously had a, a tough uh, knee injury his rookie year, obviously tore his ACL last year. And now, you know, a quad strain is not a major thing, but still going to miss some time. Uh, do you worry about that if you're a Braves guy? I say, look, if he's healthy, you know, you got to let him go out there and be him. Um, and you, you take the the down. If he does end up with a quad strain over a couple of days, you got to have him where he is. Uh, but how do you feel about that? You know, Acuna out again, hasn't been able to stay consistently in the lineup because of him bringing, bringing him back from the ACL. And now this uh, – do you worry about that where it's like the, the, the minor injuries and I hate, I hate saying injury prone about athletes to me. That's so unfair, but do you worry about the people saying that about him? I don't, I don't, I think it's something, you know, Kevin, I mean, you know, the great Floyd Reese that drafted me to GM that drafted me with the, uh, with the Tennessee Titans, may he rest in peace. He always says the hardest thing for any player is how do you deal with injuries? Like he said, that's the hardest thing. It's not going to be the game. It's not going to be the X and the O. It's not going to be the opponents. It's not going to be the schedule. Right? It's going to be how do you deal with injuries? Well, the reason why I say the reason why he said is we all deal with them. The thing about Ron Lacuna Jr. is the reason why guys like LeBron, the reason why guys like Tom Brady, these guys have these long careers. Look, your body is your temple. That is how you make your money. You're gonna have to make sure you're doing things away from baseball to ensure you're out there on the baseball diamond, right? And I'm not saying he's not. Let me not act as if I, I don't know his schedule. But, Kevin, they said, look, you might be a young man, but you had to treat your body as if you've been in the league, been in the majors 20 years, 15 years. You got to eat right. Got to get your rest. Got to, you know, got to make sure you get your massages because it's about playing every day. Because if you're not out there, you're not contributing. And I'm not saying he's not, but whatever he's doing, he's going to have to add to it because I think that Ron Lacuna Jr., when he's out there, you already know, Kevin, I would take a – which I would take a, a, a 80% yeah, Ron Lacuna sure. Jr. Yeah. versus the other guys 100%. But you but you know the healthier he is, the better he is mentally because you know, Kevin, what, isn't he already – what, tops in, tops in still stolen bases? And he ain't even been here that long, which shows he – I think with Ronald, he got to understand, you don't got to live up to the building of being Ron Lacuna every single game. You being you is more than enough. Absolutely. And again, some other things uh, you don't want to get get lost in the shuffle. I feel like Dansby gets a lot of hate uh, from Braves fans. He went four for five last night with a homer. His last 30 games, he's hitting over 327. And you look statistically, I saw this point out of the day, he is the third best shortstop in the league defensively. So you have elite caliber defense. And, you know, I, that's why I always, I, I look at, you know, we've had these discussions with BJ. I said, when you, when you look, at just the raw batting average number, it can be misleading. Because you can look at Dave and say, oh, he's only hitting 240. Well, he's hitting 327 over the last month because he got off to a rough start. So when you look at stretches like that, it gives you a better idea of how he's playing. But I know he catches a lot of grief from fans about why he's not this and why he's not that. Uh, but good to see him playing well. And, uh, you know, I, I always will be a Dansby defender. I, I, I Again, he's a quality quality player is he of the caliber of a Ronald Acuna Jr. I don't think so uh, and people hope that he is because he was a former number one overall pick in the draft but he's a really good player he is a really good player and uh, good to see him uh, string it together four for five last night and, and continue to play well and defensively I think you just it's kind of like having Andrew Jones out there in center field you just 
you get used to watching it and you don't appreciate what you're seeing every day. And and, and what he brings to the table defensively can't be undersold at all. Well, well Kevin, this is the thing. So let, let, me, let me just go ahead and put this out here. Because, look, when people start saying, oh, Dan, he's taking up the He's still better than you. Y'all <laughs> need to cut that stuff out. He's in the bigs. And, Kevin, I don't know too many guys that went number one overall in baseball. You're talking about something that's hard. Number one? You know how many baseball prospects it is? I just think that for Dansby, once again, Kevin, these guys only have known success. Dansby is a part of the greatest infield in Braves history. I'm going to say he's a part of the greatest infield for one season in Braves history. And sometimes, Kevin, it's one of those things where you start saying, man, it's all in your head. It's like a, it's like a pitcher that can't throw strikes. Hey, whoa, 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 calm down, breathe, because – you don't got to live up to this. It's what you listen. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a marathon. There is no greater marathon than than, than than baseball. And I think sometimes it's the news clip because Kevin, I don't know, but it, well, media, it just seems like with certain with certain uh, people, and again, it's social media. You can't take, but 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 yeah. he is never going to be able to do enough to no. kind of put that label on him. I'm like, look, he, look, he look, can't do enough. He can't do enough, Kevin. And he's a world series. Think about that. I'm a World Series champ, and get, I just think that when it comes to players, you got to be very, very careful, man, of what you allow in your system when you're talking about words and criticism and feedback. You're going to get a lot of it. As a guy that played in the pros, I've had fans, the Titans, say, being true, you stink, you suck. <laughs> it happens. It, listen, listen, it, and I think what happens is, right, it's when that happens and you go to a veteran guy, and you say, you heard that? He goes, look, man, they paid for it. They paid the ticket. In their mind, but he says, just think about this. They know you enough to know you by name and call you out individually. So it's still a level of recognition that you got to understand how to use. They came to watch you. They ain't calling out most players. So with Dansby, he one of them ones, Kevin, and he's on a franchise that matters, on a team that matters, and he's a player that matters to his team and his position. Just don't worry about the criticism. Sure. You got a 162 opportunity, but guess what? No matter what happens, Kevin, the only thing, only reason why we criticize a guy like Dan is because we know he can do it. But one thing, but just like Andrew Jones, what I lack sometimes at the plate, oh, I definitely make up, you know what I'm saying, uh, on defense because he is incredible. But like I said, you play your, you, you, you play your way in, you play your way out, you got to find a way. The, the, the pros means I got it mentally. I know how to figure this thing out. But just go out there and get it done. It's much easier to go back to the drawing board when you're winning because if, you, if you're sticking up the joint and you're losing, it makes it even worse. <laughs> Definitely go out there and get them dubs. And hopefully, man, you go back to the World Series. You go back to the playoffs in the World Series again. What are they going to say if you get two? You already stink and you got one. We can't get two. <laughs> well, most teams are never even get – Kevin, you know how it is. Oh, I know. It's just, I just think, like I said, it's just one thing you see when, when, when he's going poorly, which everybody does, it is just, oh, got to get rid of this guy. I'm like, can, can you just calm down for a minute? He is a really, really, really good player. You got, get, you got to get rid of this guy. All I'm saying is, people, as fans, fanatics, we need to pump the <laughs> – get rid of Dansby. Get rid of Dansby Mansby for who? Y'all need to calm yeah. down, man. Again, there ain't many guys able to do what he's been doing for the Atlanta Braves. The Braves and the Phillies coming up tonight, game four of that series. Braves trying to win three in a row for the first time all season long. We'll come back. We're talking Falcons football. D. Orlando Ledbetter, AJC.com will join us. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.